his presence, we are blessed. Amen. As we go before the word of the Lord today, uh, Psalms 148, another reason why we're blessed is that we have the word of God, able to read and to study, to show ourselves approved. Amen. We would really be lost without his word, but God knows that we needed it. Amen. So we need the word, we need the truth, but we also need his spirit to worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Psalms 148 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. Easy enough. Just praise the Lord. Amen. Aren't you thankful for an opportunity to praise the Lord, to lift up the name of Jesus, for he is good. His mercy endureth unto all generations, everlasting, everlasting. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. You may be seated today. Amen. If you happen to gaze up at uh, the night sky, or maybe you're too busy to, um, then I'm sure you've come across images like these at, at some point as the background up there where the, the stars are scattered all across the sky. They fill the night sky. And it is really a, a majestic and, and marvelous image to be able to look up and to see all of those things uh, glistening in the sky. Uh, they are innumerable. You cannot number them. Uh, and yet, that is the promise that God gave to Abram, so that's going to be your seed, as, as the stars of the sky and as the sand of the seashore. And aren't you thankful that even though we cannot count them all, God knows each and every single star that is up there, and that if God makes a promise like that, God is able to perform it, even though we cannot see or imagine how he can do such a thing, God is able to do that in the blessed beyond we can ever imagine. Amen. He just needs our faith to use that to exercise uh, our faith in that matter. And so while they all scatter across the sky, they may seem uh, to look about the same. But uh, if you begin to study them more, you can begin to pick out some differences. Uh, different uh, brightness, different size, uh, even different colors. But for the majority of them, we probably just lump them all together in the same bag and say, there's a bunch of stars. But from afar, they seem similar, but upon a closer examination, every star is unique. And not two are the same. I, I don't speak from experience. I'm just assuming that they're all going to be different. Of course, I may buy a telescope and look and find out that they're all really the same. But uh, I would assume that they're all different. For each little star, 
is comprised of billions and billions of other stars. So we see just one star and think, wow, that's a cute little star. But if you're able to zoom in and see that that represents a whole other galaxy of billions of other stars. Uh, and so no two galaxies are li alike, uh, but we make those assumptions based on what we can see and observe. And what we see is that no two humans are alike. No two humans are alike, that every person has a unique set of fingerprints. They have a unique set of, of DNA sequence and, uh, that can be found nowhere else but inside that person. And so nearly 8 billion humans on this planet, and we are all special in our own way. We are all unique. And so if we can look around the world and see that, you got, you got to understand and know that surely the stars are the same way, that no two stars are the same. And so even with the incalculable differences between us, there is a God in heaven who sees and knows every single person that walks on this earth. He knows what makes us different because the Bible states that even before he formed us in the womb, he already knew us. He already knew the unique individual that you and I would become. And the Bible states that he even knows the number of hairs that are upon our heads. That is the immense power that our God has. Uh, not just your head and not just my head. But every single person that is alive right now, or whoever was, existed, uh, God knows each and every person by name. He knows their DNA by name, their heart. He knows uh, every characteristic about them. And so don't tell me that you're not a special person. Uh, don't tell me that God doesn't care for you and that he doesn't care for your well-being. No, God knows who you are. He knows you by name. He knows every single thing about you. And if he created you, he's got a purpose for you. He's got a calling for you. He's got a special place for you and a ministry for you that's inside his kingdom because there is no such thing as a useless person. We put those labels on people that we say, oh, they're useless, they're worthless. No, not from God's point of view. Every person, he wants every person in his kingdom. He died for every person. He wants all to come unto repentance so that they can all be saved. So every person has a unique place in God's kingdom. And so don't listen to anybody else otherwise. Don't listen to that liar Lucifer because he's not going to tell you the truth. He is the father of lies. He doesn't want you to be in the kingdom of God, so he's going to tell you that you're not special, that, that God doesn't care for you, that there's no place for you. But those are lies from the pits of hell because God made you and he formed you and he's got a plan and a purpose for you. Sometimes it's not Lucifer who's our who's our problem, it's our foolish friends and family. Sometimes they spew more hate than the devil does in your direction. 
And many times those, those arrows hurt even more than the devil because we, we have a relationship. There are family. There are, are friends. But uh, if they're speaking ill against you, hey, you need to shut those voices out. We're going to listen to the voice of my Savior and my Creator, my Redeemer. And he says he loves you and he cares for you and he's got a purpose and a plan for you. And so um, there... The only reason people say those things is because maybe they don't see themselves as special. But had they only opened up the word of God and realized that every single person is special in the eyes of God. That we all hold a certain place in his heart, in his mind, and in his kingdom. And so if they see themselves as worthless or wretched, of course misery loves company. So they want to project all of that on you. But hey, we're not going to listen to the naysayers. We're going to listen to the God who died for me, who shed his blood for me. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me even though that I didn't love him he loved me and I'm thankful that he sent some grace and mercy my direction and your direction so that we can experience this unconditional love that he has for us and so uh, because of the way that we have been created uh, life is filled with relationships it's impossible to be in just one unique one relationship. Uh, obviously, a marriage that is doable and is a commandment by God. But I'm talking about uh, relationships with other people, friendships, uh, and so we all have many relationships that we are involved in. Every person that you meet and come to know, a unique relationship is forged between you and them. Um, and relationships, they can be shallow, or they can be deep, they can be formal, they can be not so formal, they can be serious or silly. Uh, we all have different friends and, and people that we just uh, get along differently with and, and have uh, a, a good experiences with. And so the interaction between two people is obviously called a, a relationship because uh, no two are the same, and no two humans are the same, and so therefore no, no two relationships are really the same because there's so many factors that go into that. Uh, and so we do our best to label, uh, characterize them, categorize them, um, put titles on certain uh, relationships uh, like a father that uh, denotes a relationship, mother, sister, brother aunt, uncle, cousin, all of those terms um, are a relationship that you have with other people. Uh, co-workers, acquaintances, stranger, friends, uh, BFFs, all that stuff. Uh, and the list goes on and on. And so every single one of us, we manage and we control these relationships and we understand the differences between them. Uh, you, how you act as a mother, father is not how you act as really a sister, brother. Or There's different things for every relationship. And so my relationship as a father to my kids is different than as an uncle to my brother's kids. The relationship with uh, my, my, my co-worker is going to be different than my relationship with uh, a confidant or a close friend. Uh, and yet it's, it's still me at the center of that relationship, and we understand that. And so 
we understand that we can have multiple relationships with uh, other people and still be called uh, the same person. So why is it that we mere mortals, we, we can understand and we can grasp that, but yet when it comes to God, people believe that God can't do that. How is it that God, who has the power to create all things, but he can't handle a relationship with these people all by himself, but he has to, he sends somebody else to, to be with us. That you and I, we can handle 300 relationships uh, as the same person. I, uh, as Phil, I can handle hundreds of relationships, but yet God can't do that. God has to be three persons. We can do things that God can't. I can have multiple positions and relationships with all these people, but yet God, if, he, if only he can just do it, if he, could, he has to have three. The God, the God the Father can only do certain things. God the Son does things, and God the Holy Ghost does things, but they're, they're one God, but yet three separate persons, as they say. But yet, how is it that I can do more, and I'm only one person? Doesn't the Bible say that we are made in his image? Why are we walking around with three heads if there's three gods, if there's three persons in there? No, God made one person to represent the one person of the Godhead, and that is Jesus Christ. We are the image of him. We bear his likeness. And so what we see as each other, that's who God is up there. There's not many gods or, or three persons. There's only one person because we are his image. And if we can handle multiple relationships, uh, father, son, brother, uh, as one person, you would think God would be able to do that. Yet there's a whole world out there. Mainstream Christianity thinks, well, God, he can't do that. He's separate. Jesus is not God the Father. He's separate. He's a separate person. And so how we, we can understand that as us, as people, but yet somehow God hasn't figured that out yet. Go figure that. And so while we are all yet different and unique, there is a, a source, there is a code that uh, not only tells us how unique we are, uh, but it also tells us where we came from. And you can track and you can follow your DNA if you want to submit your, your all, all of that stuff to some database somewhere. They'll They'll promise not to give it to somebody else, but you can find out about your family tree and your history and your ancestry and all those things. Um, uh, and so figure out where you got from and where you came from uh, all through your DNA because it's unique, but yet it's a, ch it's a, it's a chain. It's a, it's a source that can be tracked all the way back. And uh, nowadays we have these, this thing called crypto, cryptocurrency, and blockchain technology, uh, but the truth is, is it's nothing new because God made that when he made man. It's called DNA. That's blockchain technology because it can be tracked all the way back. Uh, and so, but ultimately, where does your ancestry lead? Where does it go back? You, uh, you can go back hundreds and years and hundreds of years, but ultimately it's going to go back to a source somewhere. It's going to go back to a starting place where your family or, or your life began. And I believe it goes all the way back to Genesis 1 and 26 where it said, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. 
And let us them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image, his own image. In the image of God created he, male and female, created he them. And so that is where we came from. That is where our DNA leads back. That is where our ancestry goes all the way back to the beginning of the Word of God. And so we have this undeniable connection with our Creator. There's a connection there, an undeniable one uh, with our Creator, with our source of life, who breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. And so there is a connection, a relationship that each and every one of us have with our Creator that is unique, and yet nobody else can have that or, or, or take it. But that is what the world doesn't like. That is what they don't want to acknowledge. They don't want to admit it that we were created by a higher power. Instead, they, they tell, they spin this story that uh, we were accidentally made and we accidentally came from an amoeba. That's, that's our source, really. I mean, how can you have the faith of that and not have the faith of an almighty God that made us? I don't get I don't have that much faith. I don't. I don't have that much faith. I'm sorry. Uh, pray for me, O oh me of little faith, that I can't believe we came from nothing uh, apart from God. And so why um, uh, the, the world does not want us to acknowledge that we came back, we uh, trace our roots back to Genesis 126. Why? Because uh, they want to sever that connection somehow. They want to rewrite our history and erase God from our beginning. Why? And so they can tell people uh, that, well, actually there's more than two sexes. Uh, even though the Bible says God made them male and female, uh, if we can kind of cut that connection with our creator, then we can just say, well, there's more than two sexes. And uh, you can pick and choose whatever day you want to feel like being. That's, that's uh, perfectly fine. Why? Because is what the Bible says is true, is that we were made in the image and likeness of God, that God reached down and he formed man from the, from the dust of the ground and he breathed into our nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And so if that is true, if that is true, then that is our source of life. And then that is our beginning. Then, if that is true, then... Then there is a response that is required of us as a created being. If we are created, then somebody created us. Then there's a response that is required from us to that creator. And that is praise and worship. That is the response required from everything that is created by the uh, Almighty God uh, to praise and to worship our God to the one who created us. And that is why the world is trying to hide where we came from because they don't want to admit it that we were created by God. And if we were created by God, then we are required to worship that one true God. And the world does not want to worship Him. And so they want 
to worship themselves and build their own kingdom. And so they're going to hide our, con- that connection from our, the almighty God creator. And so we are required uh, to worship the one and only God, the creator of heaven and earth. And that is the one thing, that is the source, the, the one connection that reaches all the way back through human history and touches the hand of God. And so that is the connection that they are trying to sever. And they've been working at it for uh, long before we ever arrived on the scene, this world, and the prince of the power of the air is trying to sever that connection too. Why? Uh, the devil doesn't want you worshiping God because that acknowledges who he is. And if our worship and our praise goes up, that's telling the devil, we know that God is the creator. And if he is the creator, he is all-powerful. And that means God created the devil too. And if God created the devil, God has more power than the devil. And so the devil does not want want you to praise him. The devil does not want you to come to church and worship him. Why? Because that's reminding him uh, that there is somebody out there that is greater than he is and that he has a limited amount of time on this world because of our praise uh, is going up to the creator, our one true God. And so that is why the world is after that connection to God. The devil doesn't want that connection either. Uh, And so it's that connection that requires a response from us that I'm going to praise you because you created me. It's as simple as that. I've been created, and so i got to look and find who created me and say, thank you for creating me. I praise you. I I lift you up. I I glorify you. I'm going to honor you in all that I do. Why? Because I have been created by a higher power, and you alone deserve the praise and glory. And there's nobody else to receive it because there's only one God, and his name is Jesus. So he gets our praise. He gets our worship. And anything we're going through, hey, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you, not based on my circumstance, but simply because I have been created and I have a connection with my creator. And that connection is praise and worship. That is our response. The psalmist understood this. He said in Psalms 8 and 3, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained or thou hast created, what is man that thou art mindful of him? We, we get taken back by uh, the stars in the sky and the galaxies and the images that they show us. And so we can't imagine the, the majesty of those things. And so if God created all of those things, what is man that thou art mindful of us? That you would come here on a Sunday morning and walk among us and be with us. Who are we to entertain and experience uh, greatness in the presence of Almighty God? And so Psalms 139 says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He doesn't give any other reasons to praise God. I'm just going to praise you because I was made. I was made by your marvelous works. And my soul knoweth right well that there is a God in heaven. And he deserves my praise no matter what's going on in my life. Why? Because I still have breath in my lungs. I'm still walking above God. I still am been created by Almighty God. And so with this life, I'm going to give you praise to reach that connection that I have with my creator. And so the response 
uh, of being created is a response of praise and worship. And so that response is not only placed on our shoulders, but the call to worship is required by everything that has been created by God. Anything and everything that was created has a response, required response, and that is to worship Him. And that includes the bushes out there. That includes the trees and the birds and the animals and the stars. That includes everything that was created by God. Have a response to respond to God and say, thank you for making me. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I was created for a reason, and that main reason is to worship you, to give you glory for what you have done in my life and through me. And so doesn't the, uh, the commandment to praise and to worship the Creator also extends to them? Not just you and I, but to everything. Everything. Our text, Psalms 148, Praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Why? Because you were created. Praise him, sun and moon. And praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Uh, you need to praise him. Waters that are in the heavens, whatever your purpose is. I don't know what your purpose is, but hey, you have a response. You're required. Hey, praise him for God for making you for your purpose for him. Verse, four, verse 5, let them, those things that he just mentioned, which is none of us, angels and heavenly hosts and, and heavens and even the waters in heavens. He's not talking about us yet. He's He's saying, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. That's it. You're not, you don't need to praise him, moon, because you won the lottery. You don't need to praise him, stars, because you're blessed and you had a good day. You don't need to praise him, uh, the sun, because uh, of what God is doing in your life and how your, your life is a little bit blessed, more blessed than others. No, it doesn't give any of those reasons. The only reason that they were commanded to praise the Lord is because God commanded and they were created. So therefore, praise his name. There's no asterisk, there's no small print, fine print about what the, 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 uh, uh, all, the, uh, all the conditional responses. Well, the sun, I'm not, I'm not, my flares aren't so bright today, so I'm not going to praise him. No, it doesn't say that. It says, son, you praise the name of the Lord because you were made. Because God spoke and you were created, therefore, that's the only reason you need sun to praise the name of the Lord. And moon, you're there too. Stars, you're there too. Waters in the heavens, hey, God made you praise his name. That's, that's just the bottom line of everything. Anything and everything that was created by God, our response is to praise his name. For he is good and his mercy endureth forever. And we are here for a purpose, and that is to praise God and to Connect with our Creator. It's simple enough, isn't it? 
what would happen if the son said, God, I'm having a bad day. I'm not going to praise you today. What would happen if the moon said, well, I'm tired of reflecting somebody else's light. I'm not going to praise you and how I was made. I'm going to go and do my own thing. And so the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, the trees, the fish, everything that was created, let them praise the name of the Lord uh, for he commanded and they were created. That's it. Close the book. That's the, the, the long and short of praise and worship is if you are created, then praise his name. Simple enough. Why do we make it so difficult? Why is it such like pulling teeth someday to come to church and to, to lift up our hands and to sing songs and to sing praises unto God? Why does it, how does it get to be so difficult? It's not meant to be difficult. It's a, it says if we were created, hey, let's lift up the name of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That's all it says about the day. God made the day. God made me. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's all that matters. And my response to my creator is, you made me, you made this day. We're going to praise you today. We're going to lift up the name of the Lord. And if we took that mentality and that attitude every single day, maybe we would have a little bit better days. Uh, at least we'd be walking through it with a better spirit that, hey, God, thank you for this day. Thank you for making me. I'm grateful for this opportunity to worship you, even even though I may be going through a hard time. Praise the name of the Lord simply because he commanded and they were created. As, as great as we see the majesty of the heavens and, and the depths and the, the wonders that we'll never be able to understand and to look into, as majestic as they seem and and shine so bright in the skies. Um, we know that they were created for a purpose, and the bottom line purpose is to give God glory. If he has other purposes for him, that's fine. It doesn't, uh, doesn't impact me. It doesn't impact you if the stars were made for something else. Uh, we just know that they're made, and so they're going to praise his name and to do the best that they can to give God glory. Uh, but we also are given another insight about creation, about these stars, about the sun and the moon, about these bushes and trees and animals. We're given another insight through Paul. In the book of Romans, it says, Romans 8, 22, for we know that whole creation groaneth. And travaileth in pain together until now. But yet we were just read a commandment for the stars to praise his name. But yet we're also told that somehow the stars are groaning. That the stars and, and 
they're, they're travailing in, in pain, that uh, creation is, is hurting and, and, and under this, this weight that it was not made to, to be under. The, we understand it as the weight of sin and how it's come in and, and corrupted all of creation and, and messed things up. And, and yet even still, even while creation is, is groaning and travailing in pain, still the psalmist says, hey, you need to praise the Lord because you are fearfully and wonderfully made because God spoke to you and you, uh, were, you were created. And so therefore, praise the name of the Lord. If anything, because of what Paul has revealed here, if anything... Now the sun and the moon and the stars and the trees and, and creation and creatures, now they have found a reason not to praise him. God, I'd praise you. I was praising you when you first made us and everything was perfect, but, but now something, something came into my life and I had no control of, and the stars and the moon, they were just doing their thing, and then all of a sudden darkness came over them and uh, uh, sin in the world was transformed, and it wasn't anything that they did, but now all of a sudden they're under some kind of burden, some kind, something that they're, they're, they're moaning and groaning about, and they're, they're travailing in pain, even creating is travailing in pain and yet stars praise the Lord moon praise the name of the Lord Son, praise the name of the Lord. Why? Uh, even though you're, you're, you're groaning and you're hurting and you're in pain, that, that, that doesn't matter. God created you and God spoke and commanded and you were created. Therefore, praise the name of the Lord. We're not talking about all the other things that are going on simply because there needs to be a, a, a resolute response from creation. That, hey, no matter what's going on, I'm going to praise the Lord. No matter if I'm groaning and travailing in pain, that doesn't matter. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm still going to worship him even when I'm having a bad day. I'm still going to lift up the name of the Lord even when darkness comes into my life and pain and bad things happen. The Bible doesn't say you can stop praising God if that happens. No, it simply says praise the name of the Lord because you were created. And yet... While creation is groaning and travailing in pain, it seems like they're still getting up every day and praising God. It still seems like in the morning when the sun begins to come over the horizon that those Precious little birds who are groaning and, and travailing in pain because this world is different than when I was first created. And I feel this pain and, and hurt and something's going on. But yet when that sun comes up over the horizon, what happens? The, word, the birds begin to sing. Hey, there's my creator. He created me. I'm going to praise the name of the Lord even though I feel a hardship. I feel this heaviness. Hey, that should not change my response response to my creator because I have a resolute response to him because he created me. And the branches and the trees 
the trees who, who lost the limb and uh, uh, the branches were ripped down in a storm. They can wake up and say, God, I'm not going to pray. Did you see what just I just went through? I'm not going to praise you today. No, I don't think the trees do that. Even though they're groaning and even though they've lost limbs and branches, still when the sun comes up, still their branches reach for the sky and say, hey, I'm here to praise your name. I'm thankful. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to lift you up. Even though I don't have as many limbs as I used to have, that shouldn't change my response because I'm going to praise you. Because you commanded and I was created. And if the trees and the animals are doing that, how much more should a response be from you and I? We're just more than just merely created, but God came to, he did something special and unique for us. He got down and he made us in his hands and he formed us and he breathed in us the breath of life. We are his image and his likeness. It doesn't say that about a tree or a bush or a bird. How much more should our response be to God for what he has done and who he is that we are just simply created for his purpose and his glory? He saw man, he says, very good. We were, we were the pinnacle. We are the pinnacle of his creation, the, the most intelligent and the most bright and, and the best talented and gifted and all these things, his precious creation. And we should be the ones that have a resolute response that nothing's going to take my praise that nothing's going to steal my worship. Why? Because I'm the pinnacle of his creation. It doesn't matter what type of day we're having. No, where God has made us, we're in the image of him, and we're to give him glory and to magnify the name of Jesus simply because we're created. We don't need any other reason. We search for reasons to or not to worship God. We look for reasons to go or not go to church. Where's, where's the scripture for that? I'm reading here, it just says, you are made, okay, praise the Lord. God made you, let's worship him. A, a Jewish rabbi, teacher, instructor, asked the question to his students. He says, why, why do you live for God? Why do you live for God? Why do you worship God? And there's many, you know, there can be all kinds of responses. I think the uh, American response would be because we get to go to heaven, get our own mansion, and do whatever we want up there. And so the question is, why do we, why do we live for God? And they got many responses, and... You know, the typical ones, uh, you know, I want to go to heaven, and I don't want to go to hell, and uh, all of these things. Um, but the rabbi said, all of those things don't mean anything. The reason you should live for God, the reason why you should worship him and him alone, 
is because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Not talking about heavens and blessings and favor and all those things. Not, if, we're, if we serve God for those things, those things can easily be taken away. And then are we going to still worship God? Are we still going to serve God in, in the hardships or depression or when we lose it all? But, but if, if, we're worship, if we're living for God because of his blessings, those hands and those windows can be, can be closed up. And maybe God will close them up to see if you're really there for him. But we should worship God and live for God simply because it is the right thing to do. He is the one true God. There's no other gods out there, and we were created by him. And so, therefore, the right thing to do, the only thing to do, is to worship in him and to lift up his name because he created us, and that is, that's the end of the story. We complicate things with all these situational details and all of this and that, and uh, we can come up with a million reasons why we didn't make it or we didn't go or we didn't pray or we didn't read the word or we didn't do all of these things or we didn't praise his name. And we have all kinds of lists of reasons why we don't. But I think God just wants us to stick to the one reason why we should, and that is because he created us. And we are here to worship him and to give him praise. Uh, and so it doesn't matter. Yeah, we are humans. We are different than the animals and different from creation and, and the trees and all of these things. And yet they still have a resolute response. They're still singing unto the Lord and still praising him. And uh, I know life is more complex for us. But we shouldn't get caught up in all the complexities of it all. It should all boil down to the same things that we were created by him and therefore praise his name. We see a man in the book of Mark. Uh, it tells us Mark 5. It says they came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes and when he was come out of the ship immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no man, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And uh, as Bishop mentioned him uh, Thursday night about uh, being possessed with a legion of devils, this man was. No man could contain him or control him or, or, or bind him down, and he was just uh, an animal uh, in, the, in, the, in the mountains. And yet we see something amazing happen. The very next verse, but when he saw Jesus, afar off. He ran and he worshipped him. Why? Because there's a connection to our creator that the devil does not want us to maintain. That does A legion of devils cannot hold you back from worshipping God. Why? Because we belong to him. He made us. He breathed into us a breath of life. And so we deserve, he deserves a response of praise and worship. And nothing can hold you back from that connection to our creator not even a legion of devils can hold you back from worshiping God 
Because that connection between you and your creator only goes between you and him. Nobody else has the power to sever that or to shut that down or to cut that loose. Only God has that connection with you. And a legion of devils cannot stop you from worshiping God and give him praise. And so what is our reason, our excuse that we can't come in here and just give God our all and just say, God, I'm here simply because I, you made me in your image. And yet you get Holy Ghost-filled people come to church and you got to hook the jumper cables up to them. And yet a man who, had not, who didn't have the Holy Ghost, a man who didn't have the Holy Ghost with legion of devils, and uh, he just says, dear Jesus, let me go worship Jesus. Why? Because he made me. He made me, and I'm here to praise his name, and I'm here to give him glory. And so we can have a lot of reasons, a lot of excuses not to worship him. But, hey, there's only one reason, too, that God made us in his image, and we are to magnify the name of Jesus above all things, a Absolute response that nothing is going to steal my praise or worship from God. No matter what comes in my life, I have a connection to God that nobody can take away. Musicians, if you would come. And so I've got a few more examples of how people can use these. They say, ah, oh, God, I'm, I can't do it today. God, I can't make it today. There's a woman uh, that was coming to Jesus, and her daughter was uh, grievously vexed with the devil. If there's any reason to go to get Jesus, is that. And this Syrophoenician woman, she, she found Jesus. She hunted him down. And I'll tell you what, when you're desperate, you know where to find Jesus. We just need to make sure we're desperate all the time, and then we'll always be near him and in his presence, and, and maybe those desperate situations won't happen so much. But this Syrophoenician woman, a woman of Canaan, came out, as Matthew tells us, and cried unto him and said, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, lest thou, son of David, thy daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Even this Gentile woman knew who he was, the son of David. She knew who he was, and she didn't go to synagogue, but yet she knew he's God. That's God manifested in the flesh, and so... And what happened is, Jesus answered her not a word. He ignored her. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, God, send this woman away. She's crazy. And you've met crazy people before. Thankfully, we can get away, hopefully. But these, all his 12 disciples, these 12 men said, Jesus, you need to get her away. She's clinging. She's, she's not leaving. And so uh, he said, uh, send her away, for she crieth after us. And so Jesus finally answers. He said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She says, he said, sorry, I'm not here for you. 
I'm only here for the Jews right now. Your turn, the Gentiles' turn is going to be a little bit later. So take a number, uh, leave your number, we'll text you when your table's ready. Uh, and so it's what he said, come back later. It's not your time. Your reservation is not ready. Uh, and so she could have easily said, fine, be that way. And get an attitude. She was rejected. She wasn't listened to. Uh, she was shunned away. Uh, he didn't respond the right way, right way. She wanted him to respond. And so she could have easily walked out of there and it would have been even a worse. She, uh, the devil, the daughter would have came and found and said, my mom would just picked up a legion on the way home. I've only got one, but she came home with a legion uh, because of bitterness and, and hatred filled her heart. And, hey, they came in her, and so I need you to deliver her, not me. But she didn't do that, did she? She had plenty of reasons. Jesus ignored me. Jesus shunned me. Jesus didn't, didn't respond to me. He didn't, he didn't come to me. I, I came to him, and I came to his disciples, and they, they're shoving me away too and trying to kick me away and told me not to come here. Uh, she could have easily had plenty of reasons not to. But the next verse changes everything, doesn't it? It says, then came she and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. He answered and said, uh, it's not me to take the children's bread and the cast of the doll. He just called her dog. Another insult by Jesus. She really could have been upset now and said, I'm really leaving now. You really made me mad. But then she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And then Jesus answered and said, woman, great is thy faith. There's a connection there that you're not going to let anything step in the way and take. Hey, I wanted to see if you were really hungry for me. I wanted to see if that connection was real between your creator and my creation. And so be it unto me. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And so nothing can stand in the way of you and your creator to praise him and to worship him. And so don't let all these things come into your life and to steal your praise and worship because that is what they are intended to do. The storms are coming in to try to steal your praise. They don't have the power to, but you can let them if you wanted to. But if you've made up your mind, you've got a resolute response that, hey, nothing's going to stand in my way. I'm going to respond to Jesus. He is my creator. He's going to open up his arms. He hears me when I cry. He knows my name. He knows the situation I'm going through. I'm not going to let this ruin my connection with God because he has a way for me. You stand with me today. There's plenty of reasons why not to. But you only need one reason to worship God. And that is we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise you. When the children of God, the people of God, found themselves captives, enslaved, in Babylon, Babylon had their own gods and Yahweh was not in there. And so the decree came down from the king to 
not worship any other God or not to pray to any other God. Otherwise, you'll be killed. You'll be thrown to a lion's den. You'll be put in a furnace, fiery furnace, whatever it is. But there's always going to be a threat of persecution to persecute you, to get you to stop praising God. To, to try to sever that connection between you and your Creator. There's always going to be something. But Daniel tells us 6 and 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, that if I bow my knees and I pray to any other God but the King Nebuchadnezzar, if I do that, I'm signing my own death warrant. But Daniel knew the writing was signed, and he said, hey, I'm going back to my house. Let me open up the windows, because I got to talk to my creator. I got a connection. There's a channel with, between me and my God, and nothing is going to get in the way of me praising God. And so what did Daniel do? He turned towards Jerusalem. He kneeled his head upon his knees three times a day. And he prayed and he gave thanks to his God as he had always did. Hey, even though things are changing, that's not going to change my response to my God because he created me and he knows where I am. And that's why when the great persecution comes, the tribulation period where the persecution will come where you better take this mark because with this mark you can only, you can only buy or sell you have, this is the only way you can fit into this world now is through this mark that's why everybody that takes that mark is going to be killed because by taking that you're severing your connection to the, your creator and you're saying I'm going to worship this guy I'm knowingly going to worship the, the Antichrist. And everyone that receives that mark, they sever that connection between their creator and says, God, God says, you're going you're gonna to pay with that. And so it doesn't matter what comes your way. The reason behind it all is to test your walk with God, to test your response to him. Every single day, storm clouds can come or go, but are you going to have a resolute response? Are you going to stand firm and say, hey, I'm going to praise the name of the Lord today. Come hell or come high water, come sunshine or rain. That doesn't change the fact that I've been created by my creator, and I'm going to worship him today, and I'm not going to let anything get in my way because of who he is. Lady with the issue of blood. Plenty of reasons. She said, hey, if I get to the feet of Jesus, I'm not going to let a crowd stop me. I'm not going to let this sickness or this ailment stop me. I'm going to go find the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to get my healing there because there's a way to him. Even though they're surrounded by people, there's always a path to your creator. There's always that connection available to you and to you only that nobody can take away, and you need to pursue that and reach out. And she did, and she got her healing. Last, our greatest... Our greatest excuse of all 
that we can use as well, Lord. Death, death got a hold of me. Man by the name of Lazarus was a devoted follower, disciple of Jesus Christ, who no doubt worshipped him and gave him praise and lived for him. Yet one day sickness came and took him away. He laid in the grave and Jesus said, hey, I'm on my way as his sisters sent word. But Jesus kind of took his time and they didn't understand this. But when Jesus got there, he says, this is all for the glory of God. Because I want to show you all that not even death can hold you from worshiping me. And so what did he say? He said, Lazarus, come forth. And pretty soon death, who had its hold upon Lazarus, said, hey, you were a worshiper in life, but you can't worship him now. And Jesus said, oh, you want to bet? There's nothing that can come between me and my creation. There's a channel there that I have power alone to. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of the grave, and he worshiped him again. Why? Nothing can get in the way of you and your creator, but only if you let it. But I'm here to tell you, we need to have a resolute response that no matter what comes our way, we're going to worship the Lord today. We're going to magnify his name because God created us in his image and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, we're going to open up these altars. Let's just come and praise the Lord. Let's come and worship him to give him thanks. We're going to submit our resolute response today. If you have pain in your body, don't let that keep you from coming to worship in God. You've got hardship in your life that has no impact on your praise today. Come on, let's break through those barriers. Break through those hardships. I'm here to praise you today, Jesus. Nothing's going to get in my way. Come on, let's worship him together. Come on, lift up your hands. If you need prayer, we can pray for you. you.